my first guitar cause I needed some gas money. I wrecked that truck on 65. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Over at ESPN, Bracketology tends to come up with irregularity. Joe Lenardi over there doing the work at ESPN, as Sandy's pointed out, one of the uh, very best, and the guy's been doing it the longest of understanding how these brackets come together. And uh, two weeks ago, we were on this program talking about abysmal weekends for the Rams and the Buffaloes that were causing the real issues on making the tournament. Of course, uh, things turned around last week with wins of each, and of course, the Rams tomorrow night go to the pit and take on New Mexico in what could be a tremendous opportunity. But how have things changed for the local squads, and do you agree with that assessment? I agree with it. Um, The basic breakdown remains almost exactly the same. Um, 68 teams, of course, in the tournament. Big 12 has nine. SEC has nine. Mountain West has six. Big 10 has six. Big East has five now. ACC up to four. Pac-12 only two on current projections. Uh, The American uh, Athletic Conference has two. uh, Florida Atlantic and South Florida. West Coast Conference has two now with St. Mary's, uh, the only team to beat CSU at home right. this year, up in yep. Fort Collins, and people said, oh, that's a bad loss. Uh, St. Maybe Mary's not. is one of the best teams in the country. They're six seed. Uh, Gonzaga is in the tournament now, although uh, the last team in, according to Lenardi's bracketology this morning, the last team in, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. uh, Gonzaga pretty close to being the last team in, actually. Uh, first team out, Providence. Uh, top seed would be UConn. I don't think there could be any question. Uh, and, they, no. and they were unanimous number one this week. Right. First time all year there's been a unanimous number one team, and that was UConn uh, this week. Uh, last four in, Butler, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, and Ole Miss. First four out, Providence, Utah, Cincinnati, Wake Forest. Here's where things have gotten a little better for CU. They're still among the next four out, okay. but they're at the top of the list of the All next right. four out now, ahead of Villanova, uh, St. John's. I don't know if they asked Rick Pitino whether St. John's deserves uh, he to be seem to think so. among and the next four out. He seems wow. to think they're we one of the worst on five that. teams in the in all of college basketball. I, uh, and listen to him talk the other goodness. day. Goodness. I, I, let's touch on that for a minute, too, because, I mean, I was stunned. On Sunday night, here, here's what Pitino said when his team blew a 19-point first half lead and lost uh, to Seton Hall. Yes. Quote, our lateral quickness and toughness is just something I've never witnessed in all my years of coaching. He's not new to coaching, everybody. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. Wow. And then he doubled down today. Yeah, uh, He was quoted by Newsday, I believe. Yes. Saying, as I'm, saying, I don't take I'm, any of it yep, back. Quote, I'm fine with what fine I said. Fine with what I said. That, I'm, I, I, well, Look, there's a guy. It there's felt to a me guy like that crossed a line. Yeah, oh, I, me, I thought it I definitely it did. If and I were if I were players, I'd be I'd it, be furious. It, it is it is possible. It is possible to be an all time great coach and a first class jerk. And Bobby Knight and made a career of it. Knight <laughs> and Patino, who 
had very little in common while they were coaching at the same time, seemingly. Actually, now you look back and, yeah, Patino has the New York accent, but they're not far apart. And even Knight, in public anyway, would never call out a player for that kind of criticism. I mean, what are you supposed to do about that? Well, These the, are physical shortcomings, right. and they're his guys that he brought yeah, you in. Recruited and, him. And, 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 you know, he, he's the Deion Sanders of, of college basketball coaches. He comes into St. John's. He says, well, we're not any good. We're the, we're the, he didn't say it this way, but we're the basketball equivalent of Colorado mm-hmm. when Deion got there. So I got to change out everybody. These are guys he brought in. Right. He knew of their shortcomings when he brought them in. Why call them out in public? But to it, say it's one like thing that. to say, hey, we committed all sorts of unforced errors in this game. We missed assignments. We didn't pay attention to the scouting report. This, that, and the other thing. Those things you can fix you can't improve somebody's lateral quickness by yelling at them right. and saying that's a deficiency. Yeah, we're, quote, well, we are well, so non-athletic that we can't guard what, anyone without fouling. So what are you supposed to go what, to your coach and do? Point? Well, if I'm so non-athletic, I can't right. guard anyone. With, how do I get more athletic? That's, I, that's, well, he says, uh, that's not know, a thing. My, I can't do team, it. And, and this is, uh, I, I actually, if I can find it here. Um, I, was, I was just flabbergasted to this, by that statement. Uh, yesterday, I, I mean, the comments on what is required of uh, a top team, and uh, I'm looking at it here, and I don't, I don't have any problem with this. Speed, quickness, fundamentals, strength, toughness. Now, if of all those things, you can't criticize someone for lacking speed or quickness, uh, strength, Maybe because you can work on that. Uh, we talked about Cody Williams. Right. He, he needs to get stronger. Uh, toughness, eh, maybe. Uh, fundamentals, definitely. But right. he didn't. He, no. he got on them for speed and quickness issues. You can't do anything about that. You, you really can't make someone who is slow laterally, fast laterally. And it reminded me of what. <laughs> I'm picking on Tim Conley all the time, I suppose. But when Tim Conley said that Jamal Murray had been cleared to play a couple of years ago before the playoffs began, it, yes, from an offensive point of view, he could have played. But in basketball, you don't get taken out yeah. when your team goes on yeah, defense. Yeah, there's no DH equivalent in the NBA. There's no DH equivalent. It's not football where people, other than Travis Hunter, uh, <laughs> Uh, play either offense or defense. So I, I, I'm saying with with that whole thing with Murray, Murray's comment after the playoffs are done was, yeah, I could have played offense, but I couldn't move laterally. Right. On the In knee. In other words, you can't guard I anybody. I couldn't guard anybody. I could have played if it was just offense yeah. they were asking me to play, but it's not. We're not worried about Jamal it's Murray's not. fundamentals or toughness. Right. But they, 
But he wasn't fast enough and knew that he needs to be it, off the court until yeah, yeah, he gets the speed back. And there's nothing he could do until he got healthy he about speed, quickness, lateral movement, and all that. And so the, the whole thing with Patino, there's, there's a little bit of Sean Payton. In yeah. this, too. It's not my fault. It ain't my fault. Even though you recruited the guys and, and brought them in, but okay. He said we we have uh, spitty facilities, except he didn't say yeah. spitty. Uh, well, okay, why bring that up? And he said, well, that has nothing to do with it. Well, why bring it up? That seems gratuitous well, t- to me. Then don't take the job. No, don't take the job. No, don't take right. the job. It's not hard. You're in your 70s. Retire. Yeah, if you don't like the, the job, don't and take it. And by the way, St. John's is the only school with any kind of reputation or any kind of history was behind it was willing to hire him. Absolutely. I stay at Iona then. I just, I just you, thought You took that a was... couple of Iona teams to the tournament. I and he said low. the other day, well, we knew we'd be bad the first year. Well, they've got, okay. Well, then don't pile then on why them. are you knocking players and yeah. then coming back days later and saying, well, I didn't knock them. I didn't criticize anybody. Yeah, he said, I, I wasn't ripping anybody. Like, I wasn't uh, ripping anybody. Why don't you Are ask you the kids nuts? if they feel like they were getting ripped on? And I, I, I've, spent, I've spent a fair amount of time around Patino. Yeah. And actually, for the most part, I've liked him. And I've kind of laughed at it. You know, I I remember uh, the time the Celtics were in. He was coaching the Celtics. And Dan Esson and I were partners on the radio uh, at that time at a station we once worked at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Patino coached Kentucky, and uh, Dan couldn't make it to the shoot-around that day. And then I came down, and, uh, you know, Patino and I were talking. He says, hey, uh, say hi to Dan for me. Chauncey Billups was a top Celtic draft pick at that time. right? And he was kind of having a rough go of it in Boston. He wasn't Patino's kind of point guard. Patino's kind of point guard Actually, he's Doug Moe's kind of point guard. Oh, was Doug Moe's kind of point yeah. guard back in the day, a Michael Adams type. Uh, uh, the guy could really move up and down the floor. Uh, a jet, in other words, which is why Michael Adams for Doug Moe was a better point guard than Fat Lever. Fat Lever was more of a two-guard playing with Michael Adams right. the way Doug liked to run things. So Patino had a similar outlook and thought, you know, Chauncey needed maybe to work on some quickness, speed issues. But whatever, he said, oh, no, you know, we're committed to Chauncey. And two weeks later, they traded right. Chauncey. So I, I kind of laughed at that. I mean, coaches do that all the time. Well, uh, They do that all the time. Even in, case, even in private conversations, they contradict themselves. I'll just and happily that's okay. give the... Um, but but I, I thought what he did the other day was... Tacky. Just beyond the pale. Yeah. I mean, it really totally it was even more than tacky. I mean, it was just I, I I'm I'm watching the video and I'm 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 listening for the reaction and there's no reaction. Right. Stone sub. People are shocked that he's naming names. Yeah. He's going after people. He named five he name named five specific name, players. By name, by name, yeah. and they're five best players. Including the guy he's he brought he brought from Providence. Yes. This is his big transfer. Yes. Soriano, we be named called him by name. Said he's too slow laterally. Yeah. Now, if you want to bench him or yell at him in practice that, that behind closed doors, okay, you know it may be out of line, but it's okay. It's not public, but to publicly humiliate guys like that, well, I just, I'll tell you what the same for the no season, use for that. 
you know, case anyone that's covering St. John's is listening, let me, let me just give you a freebie follow-up question well, for Rick pitch, Pitino. pitch the other one. Y- yeah, you could, you could just Next ask. Well, you know, since um, we know that Jamal Mashburn's not walking through that door. Yeah, yeah. That Tony right. Delk's that's not walking right. through that door. Right. That Antoine Walker's not walking yeah. through that door. So what are you going to do with oh, what Rick, you got, Coach? Rick Pitino knows St. John's history. He could say Chris Mullen isn't walking through that yeah, door. But Walter like, Berry's not walking through that door. Even he, Bill Wennington is not worrying. Speaking of guys with no lateral quickness, Bill Wennington's not walking through that door. Mark Jackson is not walking through that door. But, but you're the guys bringing them in. So, you know, yeah, you I know, just I, 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 you just, know what? We talk, we bring it back to the bracketology. Yeah. I don't think St. John makes the playoffs because I don't know how you play, finish, finish no, the season no. with any confidence as a oh, player. No, no. Hey, how do you and, walk out knowing you're not going to get shredded? I, I can't imagine. I bet they, you know what that means, though, when he says things like that? I mean, he's quit on his team. Yes. That's team exactly what it means. On him. He's, he's quit, quit on, the on team. his team. That's exactly what it means. And he's quit on his team. That is a bad look. When your coach quits on the team, that's a bad, bad look. I don't think they'll make it. Good news, at least we're talking about that first four out, next four out. First four out, yeah, Utah. Next four out, Colorado. Well, guess who Colorado gets this week? That would be Utah on Saturday and up I, in it's, Boulder. It's little, and and it's a, that's a that's a, a potentially little, big win. Well, sure, sure. And, and, you know, it would guess be a quad one win, wouldn't it? Yeah. Sure would. Uh, so, so you can use all those it can get. Uh, USC yeah, yeah. was not a quad one win. Unfortunately, it's a hell of a right. win, but it wasn't a quad one win. Uh, CSU is seated sixth. Which is just phenomenal. among Mountain West teams, six make it, right? Right. Only San Diego State has a higher seed at four. CSU six, Utah State seven, Boise State nine, Nevada and New Mexico both ten seeds. So good for CSU. Even though their standing says they're tied for fourth in the Mountain West, the bracketologists yeah. view them as uh, the second best. That's because the they're Mountain one West. of only two ranked teams in the conference. San Diego State is ranked 19th. The Rams ranked 22nd in the Correct. country. Uh, they are technically behind in the conference standings by one game. San Diego State, Utah State, both tied at nine and four. Boise State half game back at eight and four. Rams eight and five. And in but, most years. Yeah. Uh, being fifth in the Pac-12 at this point would be a pretty good place to be, and that's exactly where CU is. Here's the problem. There are only five teams in the Pac-12 with winning conference records. Yeah. For, forget about winning records. I mean, UCLA is only 14-12, and 12, and UCLA is in fourth place. Right. Just ahead of and CU. And again, only but two ranked teams look, there, of course, even Arizona. within the conference, Cal, Arizona State, Stanford, Utah, Washington, USC, and Oregon State, all with losing records. So I've always been of the belief that no team with a losing conference record rightfully belongs in the NCAA tournament, certainly not as an at-large team. I understand I, I understand that, uh, you know, let's pick USC, for example. Okay. And I'll, I'll say this to jinx them because yeah. I want to jinx them. USC probably on paper fully healthy right now is the one team I pick out of those seven losing teams in conference play that could get hot in the tournament and maybe win it. Right. Right. But as an at large team, you wouldn't think about picking them. And, um, Cal's gotten a lot better. Cal, I thought Cal was the worst team in 
conference. They have improved CSU, dramatically. When CU blew that 16-point lead against Cal, it's still, I thought yeah, it was a terrible It's loss. still the worst still, loss. But. It's still not a good loss, but Cal's in sixth place, or tied for sixth with Arizona State, Stanford, and Utah at the moment. And based on tiebreakers, they, they'd be number six. They've won 11 games and lost 15. That's a, that's a middle-of-the-pack Pac-12 team that's 11 and 15. Uh, Utah is 16 and 10, but they're 7 and 8 in conference play. CU is 17 and 9, 8 and 7 in conference play. I don't quite understand why Utah is ahead of CU at the moment, other than having beaten CU, but they beat CU in Salt Lake City, so I assume if the rematch is won by CU at home on Saturday. That CU would vault ahead of Utah, if not into the tournament field, then at least among the first four out. What's your than What's the next your four. feeling at the moment? I mean, obviously, we feel great about Colorado State, and they have the opportunity to even maybe rise up a notch or two. Yeah, but possible for the Buffaloes. Possible. I think, given the remainder of their schedule, I think now I would say there's a. Last week, I wouldn't have said it. This week, I think it's a better than 50-50 chance that the Buffs make the tournament. I don't think it's a lot right now. I think a win over Utah would kick that up. I think they need to win four of their last five. Yeah, they're still too dependent on I think what it, happens to other teams. You have to get 20 wins. I think yeah. that's a, that's a well a baseline. You have to get 20. Of course. They need more than 20, though. And, but I, I like the chances, and I will say they have one thing that is in their favor. These are committees that set this bracket. I think they need 23 wins, at least. See you. So they need to finish. It, it, if they win four the of the Pac-12, last five, they'll finish with 21, Pac-12. and that means two conference wins, right? Pac-12. Okay. Yeah, Here, and then they'll need 23, because there aren't going to be more than three teams coming out of the Pac-12. There may not even Probably be true. three. There may not even be three. Uh, there may only be two, because I think Arizona is going to win the conference tournament, too. I, I, I think Arizona's bidding for a number one seed. And they can only get yes. a number one seed if they win the conference tournament. Correct. That's it. it. They'll slip out if they don't. And I'm not even talking about my team uh, slipping into a number one seeded spot. I, I, I think Kansas is the lowest ranked of the two seeds. The teams that could sneak ahead of Arizona uh, as two seeds at the moment, but could sneak in there ahead of them. Uh, Marquette, although Marquette got pounded by UConn the other day. Just embarrassed. Uh, who else is a 2C? Tennessee mm-hmm. could get in there, right? Um, who am I leaving out? Kansas is a third 2C. I'm leaving one 2C out. Marquette, Kansas, Tennessee. Who's the other 2C? Who's the other 2C? I mean, you'd be looking at uh, Tennessee, North Carolina. North Carolina. Right, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. That's it. The, the Buffs have one little edge if it gets close, and it's the fact that, truth of the matter is, Cody Williams is expected to be a top five pick in the NBA draft, and if you're looking between teams that are pretty close, the committee does like putting in compelling potential stories he's not compelling. and players. He's not compelling right now, and that's where I, I think it goes hand in hand. He has to be better in order for CU to make the tournament. Yes, that, he does. He has I can't to, argue that. He has to be better. Does Silva have to be better? No. Does Simpson have to be better? No. Yeah. Does Lampkin have to be better? Hadley, O'Brien, no. Williams, Williams has to be the better. Guy. He's the guy. If CU's going to win 
a half dozen more games. And I think that's the number they have to get to one way or the other. They have to win six more games. It can be four in the regular season, two in the tournament. It can be five in the regular, all five in the regular season and win one game in the tournament. And you probably will get in, but they need six more wins and to go six and two, let's say he has to be a lot better than he's been. The Colorado Rockies finished last season as the worst team in the National League, not by a little, but by 12 games. But perhaps, perhaps hope is around the corner. I mean, years from now around the corner, because what if the league expanded? Presumably that team would be worse than the Rockies, right? We'll talk uh, about it next on My Life Sports. <laughs> Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Believe it or not, the Rockies will start playing their spring training schedule this week. How about that? Uh, it, it's coming quickly. Not that the Rockies are expected to be anywhere Substantially better than they were last year, which was 12 games behind Washington for dead last in the National League. But the topic coming around baseball in the first couple of days before the spring training games get underway is the uh, announced pre-retirement or at least scheduled retirement of Rob Manfred, who expects to step down at some point in 2029. And the presumption that baseball's next expansion, the two cities at least, would be identified before Manfred leaves. And... The reason you'd like to expand if you're baseball, if you're the other owners, is the fact, of course, more teams gives you more of the pie. But think about this. The expansion fee when the Rockies joined in 1993, they were named an expansion team in 1991. The fee to join the National League was about $70 million. When the Diamondbacks and Rays joined in 98, it was $130 million. That's 98. That's 26 years ago. It's going to be well over a billion dollars just to buy into the majors, just the fee to have a team, and baseball would love to expand. And you, before the the show started, Sandy, we're talking about planning the show. The point is, you're exactly right. I really hadn't thought about it. But this is actually a ridiculous amount of time in baseball history, 26 seasons as it stands right now. Since there was an expansion, and at least when you're talking about what they call the expansion era of baseball starting in 1961, it's never been close to this long. No, no. And let's keep in mind, uh, baseball had 16 teams. Uh, there was some movement of franchises. Right. But from 1901 through 1960, baseball had 16 teams. Eight in the National League, eight in the American League. 1961, the American League added the Los Angeles Angels. And the Washington Senators. Because Washington had lost its game to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. 1962, the Houston Colt 45s. They weren't the Astros in the beginning. Colt 45s, you're right. And, of course, the New York Metropolitans, otherwise known as the Mets. And that brought baseball from 
16 to 18 to 20. Again in the 60s, 1969, baseball went to 24 teams, adding two in the National League, Montreal Expos, San Diego Padres, two in the American League, Kansas City Royals, Seattle Pilots, who later moved to Milwaukee. 1977, the Seattle Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays were introduced to the American League. They had 26 teams at that point. 1993, the Rockies and the Florida Marlins. Now the Miami Marlins, 28 teams at that point. And just five years later, in 1998, Major League Baseball added Arizona, the Diamondbacks to the National League, World Series champs three years later, and the Tampa Bay Diamond Rays, uh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And now just the Rays. Now just the Rays in the American League, bringing baseball up to 30. The idea in the early 1960s, when baseball first expanded, it was because of the threat of another rival major league forming, Mm -hmm. known as the Continental League. And uh, Denver would have had, had there been a Continental League, Denver would have had in the 60s, in very early 1960s, they would have had a Continental League team. But baseball responded by taking some of those Continental League cities and giving them Major League Baseball teams to counteract what the Continental League was planning. And, of course, the Continental League never came into being. It was announced back in But they wanted to go to 32. Yeah. That was the goal eventually to go from 16 teams where baseball had been for almost 60, well, exactly 60 years, 1901 to 1960, to go from 16 to 32 at some point. And it is somewhat surprising that baseball has stayed with 30 teams, 1998 through 2023, and the talk now is that they will not add two teams until probably the early 2030s, although Rob Manfred has said before he leaves they want to know who in 2029, teams. he wants those cities identified uh, before he leaves his post as commissioner of Major League Baseball, and he's been the primary expansion advocate, not the owners, but the commissioner ever since he took over the job from Bud Seeley. Nashville and Salt Lake, are considered sufficiently large markets who have already formed organizations that are lobbying Major League Baseball. Nashville's the 26th largest market in the country, and Salt Lake City is number 27. So they appear to be, for now at least, ahead of Portland, Charlotte, San Jose, Austin, Texas, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Mexico City. Nashville, in my mind, is a no-brainer. No brainer. I think Major League Baseball probably should expand to Mexico City, but I get why they might not want to do it immediately. Nashville makes a lot of sense. Of course, there's Las Vegas would be there if if, if the A if stuff the falls A's apart. But moving. there's yeah. it, it's not going to fall it, apart. It, I know right now you're hearing, oh things are up. The in mayor the air. doesn't. The mayor isn't crazy. They're going to find a way the to stadium get it there. Arrangement. Right. Well, I don't actually Vegas. blame the them. mayor of Las Vegas. Yeah, the the nine the nine acre parcel that it's on, which is now if you're familiar with Vegas, the Tropicana Hotel. Which you were, were there which, just so a couple you, weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, that that idea was that would be demolished, and that's where the A's built yeah. their new stadium. The truth of the matter is that's kind of a traffic issue for 81 home games. Right. 
and uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be there. Maybe a block or two off or opposite right. where exactly. Allegiant is, where the, exactly. the Raiders play in the Super Bowl plays, makes more sense. Exactly. You can still walk to yep. Allegiant from the Strip. People Absolutely. do it. They built a long walkway in between that uh, Park MGM and uh, the New York, New York, where they built a whole walkway. Right. You could build it out there. Right. They'll get that worked out. But Nashville makes a ton of sense to me. But it is kind of intriguing. You think about that. I mean, in 26 years, there hasn't been a single team expanded. In that 32 years that you were talking about, between 61 and 93, they added a dozen teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost half the current. They went from 60 to 28. So uh, pretty remarkable to see that growth. And I I think it makes sense. And it is funny because as, as baseball continues to find its way into a different style of Sport from a viewer perspective, right? The idea for a long time, it was the national pastime. It was the biggest game on TV. That got surpassed by football. Football is very, very telegenic, a lot more action. And the truth is, especially after the the NFL established a salary cap, the parody made a monstrous, just rocket-fueled the NFL into what it is today. Yeah. However, the idea that baseball is dying is actually quite silly. It's a... a matter of fact, some of the changes to the game, which Manfred was excoriated for, have actually accelerated the growth in fans. Baseball had been losing fans over the last ten two years. Pardon me, they've been gaining. Yeah, they're the starting fans. to get the younger fans, and back. they're gaining in the yes, they're gaining the younger fan base. As a matter of fact, out of the four major sports over the yep. last two years, right? Baseball is the only one gaining that actually had a net gain yes. in fans thirty five and younger. Yeah. Which is remarkable. It is. Uh, for an old, stodgy... And, and the understanding uh, I'm, is, I'm being right, is that somewhat sarcastic is going away that was from the being... It, it's not necessarily a competitor to the NFL. It is more like a super-powered NHL. They, they, they matter in the cities well, in which they're he, in. Here's, here, here's the deal. People talk about uh, the, the, the absence of the African-American player. Which is also improving. But, Again, yes, finally. It, it is, but baseball's become increasingly internationalized, and, and I, th- if you're talking about the a talent base to draw from worldwide, baseball can easily add two teams. Oh, and they don't goodness, have yes. to be the sixty-two Mets. No, right? And and you talk about Arizona t- and, and Tampa within a. A, a decade, Tampa was in a World Series. Arizona, three years after it was formed, won a World Series. Mm-hmm. So expansion, t- it isn't like it used to be, where even with the Mets winning the World Series in 69, they, they were basically, for seven years, they were terrible. Expansion teams now in sports all over are not terrible for seven years. They don't have to be anymore. There, there's enough talent and I, I think for the most part, the team sports have been able to stock expansion teams in a respectable way. And I guess the knock in hockey was, you know, Las Vegas just won a cup, but they were in the Stanley Cup right. <laughs> final the first Immediately. year that they, they, they existed. And people said, well, they went too far in the other direction. They made them too good too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh that was which, the criticism. Which, obviously, the next expansion draft for the Kraken was not nearly as favorable as No, Vegas is. although Seattle 
did beat the defending Stanley Cup champions last year. They did, and they haven't been around very long. They did. Uh, no, so you you don't even have to, Seattle even this year. The idea anymore is when not you expand bad. is not to bury teams behind right. the eight ball. You'd like to have them for years and years because that's years. how you build the fan base that then gets yeah, excited for right. the initial years and hopefully they're that's competitive. Right. Well, it, and it lasts. Yeah, you know the old line about the Washington Senators. Uh, first in war, first in peace, last, last in American <laughs> exactly. Yeah, You know, that, that was the, the, the old line. And it it, it, it continues uh, to be something that I, I, I think one of the few things in the 21st century that baseball has really gotten right until the rules changes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Prior to the rules changes, they got a team back in Washington. Now, I'm sorry it came at the expense of Montreal. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that because I think Montreal is a good baseball city and I think had there not been a baseball strike in 1994, the Montreal Expos would still exist. I think they should move the Tampa Montreal Bay Expos. back there because nobody watches it in Tampa. I, I agree. That's what I would now, do. Now, they're having trouble whatever. with the stadium. They are. Down there. I'd be and if back. that falls apart, move it to Montreal. Exactly what I and do. And they'll, they'll build a stadium. And actually, I know it couldn't serve as a permanent site, but when Montreal first came into existence, the Expos, they played in a park, and it really was a park, park, literally a park called Jerry Park. Yeah, and it was great. Now they didn't seat very many people, but it was great. It was intimate. The crowds were lively. They were loud. The Expos weren't very good for about eight, nine years before they got you know the Andre Dawsons and the Gary Carters and the uh, the Larry the Walkers. Teams, the, the, well, that came a little much after later. that. Yes, but. When they got good, and the Denver the Denver the, Bears, by the way, the were, the team Bears which feet were the team that they were the feeder team that stocked first them. Right. good Montreal Expos yeah. teams. Wallach and right. Dawson, Tim Rains, Rains, Wallach, absolutely. all those guys. And so, I, I I think baseball can do expansion. I just think right now, short term, there are other problems that are more pressing, and. It probably will take another seven, eight years before you actually, and it takes years to play. If you're going to do it right, you've got to get the stadium right. You've got to, you've got to get your organization. But you can identify the cities by 2028 or 2029. Was the Rockies in 93. Yeah. And uh, of course, Miami, Florida got to a world series, Jim Leland, his manager and won it Mm -hmm. fairly quickly. But the Rockies were better at the beginning, and the Rockies were ready to go. I, did. I remember Don Baylor coming and say, every expansion team loses 100 games in the history of baseball. We ain't going to lose 100, and they didn't. They nope. lost 98. They did wait until last year. Yeah, they got it last year, 100. but it did take them a while, I guess. We'll find out. The uh, spring training for the Rockies does start on Friday. We'll talk about that. Remember, over at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Win some money this season. With Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code MILEHIGH, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And that means win or lose. Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. It's easy to do. Just download that Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250. Courtesy of Superbook Sports, visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Colorado Avalanche won their last game trying to get into form. The team they're playing got thumped 10-7. But the team they're playing is the Vancouver Canucks. That one game aside, they're the best team in the league. We'll take a look at what awaits the Avs tonight next on My Life Sports. I know I said it before. 
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Tonight, the Vancouver Canucks come to town. The big bad Vancouver Canucks. They'll play in Denver against the Avalanche. The puck will drop at 7. The Canucks they are the uh, top team in the NHL when it comes to points. They have played brilliantly. They got thumped. By the Minnesota Wild, 10-7. to 7. That wasn't a football score. That was legitimately a hockey score. But it's worth noting that even the Canucks sort of had this game on their mind because they left their backup goaltender in for the whole thing, Casey DeSmith. They wanted Thatcher Demko to be ready for tonight. Demko, 30-10-1 with a goals against a 2.45, a save percentage of 9.18, a legitimate Vezina candidate. And one of the reasons that the Canucks have been so good, but it's also a, a diverse set of scores. JT Miller leads with 74 points. Elias Pettersson with 73. Quinn Hughes, the uh, the fabulous young defenseman, oh, 68 yeah. points. And former uh, DU pioneer Brock Baser with 56 among their top four. So you're talking about a team that has a lot of depth scoring. One of the things that the Avalanche are trying to generate with mixed results. Mixed results is a good way to put it. Uh, you look at the Avs' goal-scoring capacity, and that's obviously considerable when you look at the, the top five players. Right. And, you know, you, you can almost throw, I won't say anybody, but a Lekkonen, a Druen, in there with McKinnon and Rantanen, and obviously have Taves and McCarr, uh, who are outstanding offensive defensemen. Uh, almost put anybody in that role, and Nishushkin, for a while, was on that Who is top still, line. by the way, the team's fourth leading scorer yeah, with 42 right, points. Right, and he's, he's certainly one of the Fifth top leading, five though, now? Jonathan yeah, Duran. Yeah, who's come on. Uh, and he's he's been steady. Uh, that has turned out to be a yeah, pretty I, good Yeah, I didn't signing. think he was great on the road trip, but he wasn't bad uh the avs are ninth in the league in point percentage but they are treated like a premier team by all of the big clubs Mm -hmm. many if not all of whom are ahead of them in point percentage they're treated like a champion and i i would say although the defending champions play out of Las Vegas, that the Avalanche are treated probably with a little more respect and deference than the defending Stanley Cup champions are, who, by the way, I believe are 10th or 11th in point percentage. It's kind of tight when you get to that point. But, yes, uh, the Avs actually beat Vancouver earlier in the season. They were one of the few teams early in the season to uh, sneak in a win against the Canucks, and they'll try to make it too. I believe that game was here too. I don't think they it played was. in Vancouver. Not yet. Um, it's one of those defining games, though, and it's the start of a scheduling stretch 
Uh, Detroit's a pretty good team this year, mm-hmm. and you'll be out at yeah. Uh, well, number thirty-eight, we'll have a watch party on Thursday on, for on that. Thursday It'll night. be fun. That'll be a road game. Yeah, and uh, then you come back home. You got Toronto and Dallas, uh, two premier teams. Uh, then you go to Chicago and you go to Nashville. Well, the Avs have lost in both Chicago and Nashville this year. Then you get Chicago at home, Detroit at home, the Wild at home, but then you got to go to Calgary and finally to Vancouver on March 13th. So these next 10, 11 games, uh, not a walk in the park, only six of the 11 at home coming off this six-game road trip. So uh, you you begin this stretch of games, I think. Uh, Arizona was a game you should have gotten. Yeah. And they, Just a better they team. did, uh, but now you're playing teams that are either surprisingly good or established as as being good. I mean, uh, Toronto's a playoff team uh, back east, uh, playing very well, uh, eight and two last ten games. Detroit uh, is hanging in there uh, right now. Detroit would be a playoff team. One of five right. playoff teams coming out of that Atlantic and there, division. And there, there's a lot of young talent on the Red Wings. So uh, it, Chicago and Nashville obviously aren't playoff teams. Um, Wild, not a playoff team. Calgary, not a playoff team. But, you know, they have a home-and-home home with Vancouver over these uh, over the next uh, three weeks, thereabouts. But this Central's, so, this Central uh, is tight. Tough. I mean, uh, Central's right, very right tight. Right now, the Avs have 72 points in 56 games. That trails Dallas, who also has 56 games with 76. Yeah, but that, Winnipeg that, has three in hand on both the Avs yeah. and the Stars, yeah. and they're now, only one point hey, behind the Avs at 71. That's your point percentage you're however, talking about. However, of those three teams, Dallas, the Avs, and Winnipeg, the team struggling the most right now is actually Winnipeg mm-hmm. in the last 10 games, four, five, and one Abs are five, four, and one Dallas, seven, one, and two, uh, got a point out of Boston the other day, which is probably a pretty good result for them I would think. playing in Boston and getting yeah. a point forcing overtime, getting a point. I'm sure they would have liked that too, but it, I mean, you've got a four point lead over the abs and, and the difference is, both teams have won 34. Dallas has lost 14. The Avs have lost 18. Dallas has lost in overtime of the shootout eight times the Avalanche four. So you got 34, 14, and eight, 34, 18, and four. <laughs> uh, the Avs have been good uh, in overtimes, but 18 regulation losses uh, for the Avalanche, uh, that's a lot. Uh, Dallas has fewer. Winnipeg has fewer. Uh, Vancouver, obviously. Vegas. Uh, Edmonton, right at 18. The Kings have only lost 16 games in regulation. Uh, Rangers, 16 losses in regulation. Carolina, 17. Boston, only 12 regulation losses. 15 for Florida. 16 for Toronto. You get where I'm going. Yeah. The Avalanche have lost too many games in regulation this year more than they should have and the road trip recently didn't help going one four and one and part of the reason of course uh, something that needs to turn around fast this isn't going to be an easy team to do it against it's a 
It's a good defensive team. And that they, they, they got, got a stinker out of the way they've yesterday. Got to get the power play better. Right now the power oh, play yes. actually sits ninth. It sits ninth in the league. Yeah, at well, they, they, were, they were in the top five before right. the but All-Star it break. seems like over the after the, the wheels have come off. What is it? One one, one power, power play, play goal since coming the back break. from the break? Yep. Uh, this team has to be better than that. I mean, especially when you talk about that that power play line. I mean, it just has to be so much better than it's been, and it doesn't feel tonight as if they don't win the special teams battles, whether they're shorthanded or in the power play. Yeah, I don't know. It becomes very difficult to envision how they win this I, game. I agree tonight. with you. I I don't know if they can win this game five on five. They're they're going to have to be better on special teams, and that that's that's hard. Vancouver statistically as a team has virtually no weakness. Uh, they're a top-rated offensive team, top-ranked defensive team. Uh, the they score, they score more, more goals per game than the Avs do, yes. ever so slightly. Yes. And they're much better defensively than the Avs. Much better. Much better goal oh than the Avs much better. have had this year. Uh, all the way around. Uh, I mean, the, the power play's good. Penalty kill's good. Uh, home and road, you know, they, they, they've been tough just about everywhere. Uh I don't know what kind of aberration that game was yesterday, but I guarantee you it was aberrational. Yeah. <laughs> they will play better tonight. Yeah, it does feel like they most certainly would play better tonight. Uh, no no changes. Logan O'Connor skated today. He's not available. Right. However, still with that lower body injury. Right. But, uh, yeah, Mik- after the skate today, Miko Randon said, they're going to bounce back for sure. Oh. And they're yeah. probably pissed off about last that, night. Yeah, so we can expect them to have a little their bit A game today. I expect to see exactly that. Of course, we'll break that down. Uh, tomorrow when we take a look at the avalanche and we will do so actually with our spotlight guest will be ryan bolding from nhl.com he'll join us to talk about the avs and the nhl he will be uh, my co-host at the watch party down at number 38 on thursdays we i have the watch party with the avs and red wings so make sure you prepare to come on down to rhino and check that out as well been fun having a, an opportunity to break all this stuff down with you. Some amazing things happening in college. We talked about the new college football playoff with good news for the local programs. Bracketology, good news for the local programs. Of course, you know, where did the Broncos go with the quarterback? Well, we can't fix that for you today for sure. But it's been terrific to break down as much as we can. The Avs and Canucks get it done tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And more Ryan Bolding will join us. Thanks to Danny Bailey. He's the man in the booth that makes everything work. Thanks to you for listening. However you did so, FM, HD, MyLifeSports.com, or you did the easy thing. You just got that MyLifeSports app, and you get all of it in your pocket at once. Any way you did, we appreciate having you here. We look forward to catching you tomorrow. We need to step away for just about 22 hours. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar, but you don't have to go anywhere. I mean, why would you? You're in the right spot. This is My Life Sports. Then you